Section 31 of The Ego and His Own. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Ego and His Own by Max Stirner. My Intercourse, Part 8. As long as respect is demanded even for one spiritual essence, speech and the press must be enthralled in the name of this essence for just so long as the egoist might trespass against it by his utterances from which thing he must be hindered by due punishment at least if one does not prefer to take up the more correct means against it the preventative use of police authority e g censorship what a sign for liberty of the press what then is the press to be liberated from surely from a dependence a belonging and a liability to service but to liberate himself from that is every one's affair and it may with safety be assumed that when you have delivered yourself from liability to service that which you compose and write will also belong to you as your own, instead of having been thought and indicted in the service of some power. What can a believer in Christ say and have printed that should be freer from that belief in Christ than he himself is? If I cannot or may not write something, perhaps the primary fault lies with me, little as this seems to hit the point so near is the application nevertheless to be found by a press law i draw a boundary for my publications or let one be drawn beyond which wrong and its punishment follows i must limit myself if the press was to be free nothing would be so important as precisely its liberation from every coercion that could be put on it in the name of a law and that it might come to that i my own self should have to have absolved myself from obedience to the law certainly the absolute liberty of the press is like every absolute liberty a nunnity the press can become free from fool many a thing but always only from what I too am free from. If we make ourselves free from the sacred, if we have become graceless and lawless, our words too will become so. As little as we can be declared clear of every coercion in the world, so little can our writing be withdrawn from it. But as free as we are, so free we can make it too it must therefore become our own instead of as hitherto serving a spook people do not yet know what they mean by their cry for liberty of the press what they ostensibly ask is that the state shall set the press free but what they are really after without knowing it themselves is that the press become free from the state or clear of the state the former is a petition to the state the latter an insurrection against the state as a petition for right 
even as a serious demanding of the right of liberty of the press it presupposes the state as the giver and can hope only for a present a permission a charting possible no doubt that a state acts so senselessly as to grant the demanded present but you may bet everything that those who receive the present will not know how to use it so long as they regard the state as a truth they will not trespass against this sacred thing and will call for a penal press law against every one who would be willing to dare this in a word the press does not become free from what i am not free from do i perhaps hereby show myself an opponent of the liberty of the press on the contrary i only assert that one will never get it if one wants only it the liberty of the press i e if one sets out only for an unrestricted permission only beg right along for this permission you may wait forever for it for there is no one in the world who could give it to you as long as you want to have yourselves entitled to the use of the press by a permission i e liberty of the press you live in vain hope and complaint nonsense why you yourself who harbour such thoughts as stand in your book can unfortunately bring them to publicity only through a lucky chance or by stealth nevertheless you will inveigh against one's pressing and importuning his own state till it gives the refused permission to print but an author thus addressed would perhaps for the impudence of such people goes far give the following reply consider well what you say what then do i do to procure myself liberty of the press for my book do i ask for permission or do i not rather without any question of legality seek a favourable occasion and grasp it in complete recklessness of the state and its wishes i the terrifying word must be uttered i cheat the state you unconsciously do the same from your tribunes you talk it into the idea that it must give up its centricity and inviolability it must lay itself bare to the attacks of writers without needing on that account to fear danger but you are imposing on it for its existence is done for as soon as it loses its unapproachableness to you indeed it might well accord liberty of writing as england has done you are believers in the state and incapable of writing against the state however much you would like to reform it and remedy its defects but what if opponents of the state availed themselves of free utterance and stormed out against church state morals and everything sacred with inexorable reason you would then be the first in terrible agonies to call into life the september laws too late would you then rue the stupidity that earlier made you so ready 
to fall and plover into compliance the state or the government of the state but i prove by my act only two things this for one that the liberty of the press is always bound to favourable opportunities and accordingly will never be an absolute liberty but secondly this that he who would enjoy it must seek out and if possible create the favourable opportunity availing himself of his own advantage against the state and counting himself and his will more than the state and every superior power not in the state but only against it can the liberty of the press be carried through if it is to be established it is to be obtained not as the consequence of a petition but as the work of an insurrection every petition and every motion for liberty of the press is already an insurrection be it conscious or unconscious a thing which philistine healthness alone will not and cannot confess to itself until with a shrinking shudder it shall see it clearly and irrefutably by the outcome for the requested liberty of the press has indeed a friendly and well-meaning face at the beginning as it is not in the least minded ever to let the insolence of the press come into vogue but little by little its heart grows more hardened and the inference flatters its way in that really a liberty is not a liberty if it stands in the service of the state of morals or of the law a liberty indeed from the coercion of censorship it is yet not a liberty from the coercion of law the press once seized by the lust for liberty always wants to grow freer till at last the writer says to himself really i am not wholly free till i ask about nothing and writing is free only when it is my own dictated to me by no power or authority by no faith no dread the press must not be free that is too little it must be mine owners of the press or property of the press that is what i will take why liberty of the press is only permission of the press and the state never will or can voluntarily permit me to grind it into nothingness by the press let us now in conclusion uttering the above language which is still vague owing to the phrase liberty of the press rather put it thus liberty of the press the liberals loud demand is assuredly possible in the state yes it is possible only in the state because it is a permission and consequently the permitter the state must not be lacking but as permission it has its limit in this very state which surely should not in reason permit more than is compatible with itself and its welfare the state fixes for it this limit as the law of its existence and of its extension that one state brooks more than another is only a quantitative distinction which alone nevertheless lies at the heart of the political liberals they want in germany i e 
only a more extended, broader occurrence of free utterance. The liberty of the press, which is sought for, is an affair of the peoples, and before the people, the state, possesses it, I may make no use of it. From the standpoint of property in the press, the situation is different. Let my people, if they will, go without liberty of free press. I will manage to print by force or ruse. I get my permission to print only from myself and my strength. If the press is my own, I as little need a permission of the state for employing it as I seek that permission in order to blow my nose. The press is my property from the moment when nothing is more to me than myself. For from this moment, state, church, people, society, etc., cease, because they have to thank for their existence only the disrespect that I have for myself, and with the vanishing of this undervaluation, they themselves are extinguished. They exist only when they exist above me exist only as powers and power holders or can you imagine a state whose citizens one and all think nothing of it it would be as certainly a dream an existence in seeming as united germany the press is my own as soon as i myself am my own a self-owned man to the egoist belongs the world because he belongs to no power of the world. With this my press might still be very unfree, as, e.g., at this moment. But the world is large, and one helps himself as well as he can. If I were willing to abate from the property of my press, I could easily attain the point where I might everywhere have as much printed as my fingers produced. But as I want to assert my property, I must necessarily swindle my enemies. Would you not accept their permission if it were given you? Certainly, with joy, for their permission would be to me a proof that I had fooled them and started them on the road to ruin. I am not concerned for their permission, but so much the more for their folly and their overthrow. I do not sue for their permission, as if I flattered myself, like the political liberals, that we both, they and I, could make out peaceably alongside and with each other, yes, probably raise and prop each other, but I sue for it in order to make them bleed to death by it, that the permitters themselves may cease at last. I act as a conscious enemy overreaching them and utilizing their headlessness. The press is mine, when I recognize outside myself no judge whatever over its utilization, i.e. when my writing is no longer determined by morality or religion or respect for the state laws or the like, but by me and my egoism. Now, what have you to reply to him? Who gives you so impudent an answer? We shall perhaps put the question most strikingly by phrasing it as follows. Whose is the press? The people's? States? Or mine? 
the politicals on their side intend nothing further than to liberate the press from personal and arbitrary interferences of the possessors of power without thinking of the point that to be really open for everybody it would also have to be free from the laws from the people's state's will they want to make a people's affair of it but having become the people's property it is still far from being mine rather it retains for me the subordinate significance of a permission the people plays judge over my thoughts it has the right of calling me to account for them or i am responsible to it for them jurors when their fixed ideas are attacked have just as hard heads as the stiffest despots and their servile officials in the liberal vestibundion edgar Buer asserts that liberty of the press is impossible in the absolutist and the constitutional state whereas in the free state it finds its place here the statement is it is recognized that the individual because he is no longer an individual but a member of a true and rational generality has the right to utter his mind so not the individual but the member has liberty of the press but if for the purpose of liberty of the press the individual must first give proof of himself regarding his belief in the generality the people if he does not have this liberty through might of his own then it is a people's liberty a liberty that he is invested with for the sake of his faith his membership the reverse is the case it is precisely as an individual that every one has open to him the liberty to utter his mind but he has not the right that liberty is assuredly not his sacred right he has only the might but the might alone makes him owner i need no concession for the liberty of the press do not need the people's consent to it do not need the right to it nor any justification the liberty of the press too like every liberty i must take the people as being the sole judge cannot give it to me it can put up with me the liberty that i take or defend itself against it give bestow grant it cannot i exercise it despite the people purely as an individual i e i get it by fighting the people my enemy and obtain it only when i really get it by such fighting i e take it but i take it because it is my property sander against whom e Bure writes lays claim page ninety nine to the liberty of the press as the right and the liberty of the citizens in the state what else does edgar Bure do to him also it is only a right of the free citizen the liberty of the press is also demanded under the name of a general human right against this the objection was well founded that not every man knew how to use it rightly for not every individual was truly man 
never did a government refuse it to man as such but man writes nothing for the reason that he is a ghost it always refused it to individuals only and gave it to others e g its organs if then one would have it for all one must assert outright that it is due to the individual me not to the man or to the individual so far as he is man besides another than man a beast can make no use of it the french government e g does not dispute the liberty of the press as a right of man but demands from the individual a security for his really being man for it assigns liberty of the press not to the individual but to man under the exact pretense that it was not human what was mine was taken from me what was human was left to me undiminished liberty of the press can bring about only a responsible press the irresponsible proceeds solely from property in the press for intercourse with men an express law conformity to which one may venture at times sinfully to forget but the absolute value of which one at no time ventures to deny is placed foremost among all who live religiously this is the law of love to which not even those who seem to fight against its principle and who hate its name have as yet become untrue for they also still have love yes they love with a deeper and more subliminated love they love man and mankind if we formulate the sense of this law it will be about as follows every man must have a something that is more to him than himself you are to put your private interest in the background when it is a question of the welfare of others the will of the fatherland of society the common will the will of mankind the good cause etc fatherland society mankind must be more to you than yourself and as against their interest your private interest must stand back for you must not be an egoist love is a far-reaching religious demand which is not as might be supposed limited to love to god and man but stands foremost in every regard whatever we do think will the ground of it is always to be love thus we may indeed judge but only with love the bible may assuredly be criticised and that very thoroughly but the critic must before all things love it and see it in the sacred book is this anything else than to say he must not criticise it to death he must leave it standing and that as a sacred thing he cannot be upset in our criticism on men too love must remain the unchanged keynote certainly judgments that hatred inspires are not at all our own judgments but judgments of the hatred that rules us rancorous judgments but are judgments that love inspires in us any more our own they are judgments of the love that rule us they are loving lenient judgments they are not our own 
and accordingly not real judgments at all he who burns with love for justice cries out he can doubtless ask and investigate what justice properly is or demands and in what it consists but not whether it is anything it is very true he who abides in love abides in god and god in him first john four sixteen god abides in him he does not get rid of god does not become godless and he abides in god does not come to himself and enter his own home abides in love to god and does not become loveless god is love all times and all races recognize in this word the central point of christianity god who is love is an efficacious god he cannot leave the world in peace but wants to make it blessed god became man to make men divine he has his hand in the game everywhere and nothing happens without it everywhere he has his best purposes his incomprehensible plans and decrees reasons which he himself is is to be forwarded and realized in the whole world his fatherly care deprives us of all independence we can do nothing sensible without it being said god did that and can bring upon ourselves no misfortune without hearing god ordained that we have nothing but we have not from him he gave everything but as god does so does man god wants perforce to make the world blessed and man wants to make it happy to make all men happy hence every man wants to awaken in all men the reason which he supposes his own self to have everything is to be rational throughout god torments himself with the devil and the philosopher does it with unreason and the accidental god lets no being go its own gate and man likewise wants to make us walk only in human wise but whoso is full of sacred religious moral humane love loves only the spook the true man and persecutes with dull mercilessness the individual the real man under the thematic legal title of measures against the unman he finds it praiseworthy and indispensable to exercise pitilessness in the harshest measure for love to the spook or generality commands him to hate him who is not ghostly i e the egoist or individual such is the meaning of the renowned love phenomenon that is called justice the criminally arraigned man can expect no forbearance and no one spreads a friendly veil over his unhappy nakedness without emotion the stern judge tears the last rags of excuse from the body of the poor accused without compassion the jailer drags him into his damp abode without placibility when the time of punishment has expired he thrusts the branded man again among men his good christian loyal brethren who contemptuously spit on him yes without grace a criminal deserving of death 
is led to the scaffold, and before the eyes of a jubilating crowd, the appeased moral law celebrates its sublime revenge. For only one can live, the moral law or the criminal. Where criminals live unpunished, the moral law has fallen, and where this prevails, those must go down. Their enmity is indestructible. The Christian age is precisely that of mercy, love, solicitude to have men receive what is due them, yes, to bring them to fulfil their human, divine calling. Therefore the principle has been put foremost for intercourse, that this and that is man's essence, and consequently his calling, to which either God has called him, or, according to the concepts of today, his being man, the species, calls him. Hence the zeal for conversion, that the communists and the humane expect from man more than the Christians do, does not change the standpoint in the least. Man shall get what is human. If it was enough for the pious that what was divine became his part, the humane demand that he be not curtailed of what is human. Both set themselves against what is egoistic. Of course, for what is egoistic cannot be accorded to him or vested in him, a thief. He must procure it for himself. Love imparts the former. The latter can be given to me by myself alone. End of section 31. Recording by Elaine Webb, Bristol, England.